Last week, Pastor talked about choices. He, you know, he's introducing the new series. We're talking about dealing with the flesh. And he brought up the decisions that we're making, the choices that we're making. And um, it goes so well with the, with the message that I brought to you today. It, it couldn't have been any better. Not to mention um, the fact that we're in a season of, of sowing towards a building and getting things, getting things ready. It's just an amazing thing that how this took place. Um, I wanted to bring up our pastors. I, I want to lift them up to you because they're, they're amazing people. They have a love inside their hearts, unlike any love that you've seen in a human being. Um, as we get together and we're on road trips, Laura, Tyler, myself, Kelly, we all go up, and, and Tracy was with us. We went up here recently to, um, to meet with some architects and just look at different things. And I got a taste of what Pastor's been going through. And um, to see how he handles himself and, and composes himself and comes in here week after week and delivers such a powerful message. It just blows my mind, especially when I'm coming, when it comes time for me to preach. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm three months out and I'm already penciling some things in that I want to talk about. And he's got to come up with a great message every week to keep us coming back, to keep us fed. And it's just, it's amazing. Well, I was reflecting back on the, the uh, Passion Week, you know, the Wednesday before Easter. How many of you were here that Wednesday night? Okay, so you've heard, you've heard the story, but... As we come in, we sit down. He's up prepared to teach us, and he's got a magazine rack sitting up here. And now, mind you, this is Easter week. And as an up-and-coming pastor, um, I look for creative ways to, to present certain messages. And when we're talking about Passion Week and Easter, the resurrection of Christ, it's one of the biggest church days you can come to. And so I'm expecting this exotic revelation to come forth. And there, you know, pastor has a tendency to take us to the, to the core of certain things, certain Greek words. And maybe he, you know, he tries to, to eliminate that cultural gap and take us back to where they were so we can understand certain things. But that particular Wednesday, he comes in with a magazine rack. And I knew the story about his little dog. He has a new little dog, the cutest thing you've ever seen. Pugin, isn't that, isn't that right? It looks like a Pugin. But he, you know, he told the story about this new dog that they have and how he was flirting with danger and ended up getting his head caught in this magazine rack and his master had to come rescue him. And it was a salvation message, beautifully taught, from a magazine rack on Passion Week. And it, that just got me thinking. So I asked him about it and Pastor said, well, Noah, you just need to keep your antennas up. So look for things in life. And, and as I've... When I received that, it wasn't that long ago. Ever since then, I've had my antennas up, and I'm looking in everything. It'll drive you mad. There's, there is a message in everything, just like I was telling you about Cirque du Soleil. Pastor Tyler and I had an opportunity to go golfing just recently, and um, I'm not a very good golfer, but I shot a pretty good round. I'm proud of it, one of three. <clears throat> and uh, as, we were, yeah, thanks. as we were out there, you know, we were, I'm with Pastor, and we... It's hard not to talk about spiritual things when you're with pastor. You want to pick his brain and just, if I could just plug into him and download, that'd be great. But we're on the greens and, you know, at Shadow Moss, there's some, it's a really nice course. And I'm looking at these beautifully manicured greens and how beautiful it was out. The weather was just perfect. And my antennas are up. And I start picking things out. And the sermon that I prepared for you today comes to mind. And I start looking. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's going to be great. Oh, that would be good. And so... 
please forgive me if I run down certain rabbit trails as we go forward today because all of those, those revelations that came, they might want to spring forth, and I'll, just, I'll bring it back, I promise. I'll bring it back. But uh, I just wanted to start by saying that the things that are happening to us now as we sit here today are truly the harvest of thoughts, actions, and decisions that were made in our past. And the thoughts, actions, and decisions that we are making today are truly going to reap a harvest in our future. You are certain to receive a future of what you have sown. I'll elaborate on that. But sowing and reaping is is almost a perfect analogy of life in general. If you think about it, um, it would do us well to see life as a a long, drawn-out process of sowing and reaping. This principle was taught on a number of occasions in God's Word and in in a number of ways, and it can apply in so many different areas of life, in literally every area of life. And I wanted to take today, this morning, just to explain to you some of the principles and some of the methods in which this is applicable to your life. So this is going to be a very... Um, literal, how do, how do they say, um, th- uh, this is going to be a practical message, almost foundational. But um, I've entitled today's message, What Are You Planting? It is my goal this morning to get you to reconsider that thought in every, every crossroads that you have, just to reconsider that thought. Whatever it is, is it something that's going to glorify God? Is it something that's going to move you forward in his plans and purposes for your life? Constantly ask yourself, what am I planting? What are you planting? Um, Ed, did you have an opportunity to get the... Ed's going to take, a, take this moment to pass out um, something that I want you to hold dear to your heart. These are... Um, a small token of what it looks like to sow and reap. And as they get those out, I'll just, um, I'll start with, with a, a short lesson here. On um, Lebby McElmurray is my mother-in-law, Kelly's mom. If you know Lebby, you know she's a wonderful person. She's, she's so mercy motivated and loves people. And she took the opportunity to bless Kelly and I for my birthday and our anniversary. It was kind of a combined gift to landscape our yard. And if you've ever seen the work that Levy does, just in creating floral arrangements or setting up for banquets, she is an artist. It's an amazing thing what this woman can do. And she brought her gifts to our house and landscaped our front yard. It's absolutely gorgeous. And it's so manicured now that everything is going to stand out. If, if a single weed springs forth, we're going to see it, and it's going to... You know, it's going to have to go. This is just, it's so perfect. But I'll give you a tip. She laid down newspaper under the mulch. That's supposed to work well. It blocks out the sunlight while letting moisture in. Side note, write it down. That one's free. But the fact is she came over and she took the opportunity to till the land, get it prepared, and there was a sermon in that too. That's next time. But she planted some beautiful flowers and has got it just so nicely landscaped that every day I come home, I can clearly see if there's anything wrong. If a weed grows, then I'm absolutely going to see it. And that's, that's a great analogy of how our life can be. If we're living a pure life, if anything gets out of order, it stands out. Whereas my backyard, totally different story. It looks green and, and, and nice, but if you look close, it's full of 
dollar weed and I'm sure I'm the only one in this congregation that has dollar weed and crabgrass and dandelions and everything else growing. But I tell you, when a new weed springs forth, I'll never know. I'll never know. Because there's so much junk in my backyard. Great analogy for our lives. If you, if you allow certain things to grow and flourish in your life and allow um, bad things to come in and produce fruit, it will not be long before you're not even able to see the next bad thing. Bad just becomes normal. Where in my backyard, bad is, is normal. Hopefully that won't be forever. But on that golf course, when I, I was out there and I was looking at that green, it's just perfect. It looked like an indoor-outdoor carpet. Just amazingly manicured. And I noticed a piece of crabgrass that had grown up and the weed eater had gone over, the lawnmower had gone over and it squished it down just to make it smooth. But man, I couldn't, I would walk around the green. I'd, you'd see the hole, which is supposed to be in the green. And then you see this weed. And it was like, it always drew, maybe it's because my antennas were up, but I always noticed this weed. And it just, it's amazing how that can happen in our own lives as well. I want to draw attention to the seed you have in your hand. Many of you will recognize that. It's popcorn. (laughs) But corn nonetheless. If you plant a kernel of corn, you're going to get a single corn plant. Sowing natural seed takes a measure of, of faith, absolutely. And as we sow in faith, we need to keep that in mind. But also insight. And in a handful of of shriveled seeds lies the potential to feed you for a season. But thereafter, the world for centuries. In that single seed lies the potential. If you see this picture behind me, you've seen a cornfield. Everybody's seen a cornfield. If not in real life, you've seen it on TV. And you see rows and rows and rows and rows and rows of corn. And each plant has multiple corn cobs on it. And on each cob has thousands of kernels and you can plant one of those kernels and end up it's just an amazing it, it blows the mind you look at these grand oak trees and the strength and they all came from a single acorn it's just amazing how seed has such potential in the natural likewise spiritual seed demands a level of faith and insight it's hard to be convinced that today's words, few words, you might have a sow a, a kind action or a nice word or do something in the love of God that just seems so minuscule but can produce just like that small seed that you planted of the corn can produce a corn field. So can those small seeds of love and of God's holiness. They can produce as well. Um, I look at our city. Pastor, Pastor has expressed clearly to us that this city is his calling. He has been called to move mountains in Charleston. This is a holy city. Um, it, it's, been, it's been tagged a holy city, and there's a thousand churches. Actually, there's more than a thousand churches. But there is a lot. There's a spirit of religion on this place. And little old Pastor has come into Charleston. And he's sowing, and he's sowing, and he's sowing into us. And we're going out, and, and the model that pastor has been obedient to, that Christ gave us, to sow into his disciples, that they might go out and multiply. It's, it's the same principle that God uses to not just get the earth to flourish, but also his people and his kingdom on earth to flourish. And we need to keep that in mind. How many of you have seen the movie Pay It Forward? Pay It Forward is a movie about a young boy who was challenged 
in school to do a project that would potentially change the world. Some came up with ideas for uh, reusing old car tires, or um, some came up with just creative ideas to, be, to go green, if you will. Well, this young boy decides, I'm going to create a movement called Pay It Forward. And what that entailed was going and find, finding someone who is in need and doing something nice for them. But in return for your services, they were to do something nice for other people. So it was a selfless act. And one that was, if it worked, would have worked wonderfully. And it could very well have changed the world in time as people were obedient to that. He proceeded to go forth and, and to find those that needed help, and he would document this. And after a few months, it turned out that he wasn't seeing any fruit of his labor. And he began to get discouraged, and he went on with his 12-year-old life. Well, he didn't realize, but his acts of holiness and his acts of righteousness created a ripple effect and started to, to reach out to a lot of people, and those people were paying it forward, and they were paying it forward, and, they were, and it just started to spread like wildfire until it caught the attention of the local news station. And the local news station took note of this and said, wow, we need to trace this back to its origin to find out how this started. So they did, and they found that it started with this young boy, and they put him on the news, and they, they did a documentary on him. And it was amazing, and it inspired him. Our life is so much like that, where we will sow seed in faith, knowing God's principles, knowing his word, and even understanding that he is so much bigger than us that we may not understand the, the, the repercussions of the things that we do that are, that are wrong as well as the, the repercussions of the things that we do that are right. He's so much bigger than we are that we think that, oh, well, I'm just sowing into the wind. I'm, it's, I'm, I'm just going to do something nice because that's what I'm supposed to do. Not realizing that this principle as it unfolds, will produce a great harvest. In the last days, you know, we're commissioned by God to win souls and make disciples. That's what his will is for us as Christians on earth. If you didn't know, now you know. You are to go out into the world and teach this stuff. Get it in your spirit, take it out to the world, and sow it in faith, knowing that God will do the convicting. We're not the judge, we're not the ones to do anything except simply plant seed. Praise God, that's all we have to do. It's plant seed and live a life worthy of planting seeds. At the end of this world, as we know it, will come forth a great harvest, the Bible calls it, a great harvest. Don't you want to be part in that harvest by sowing seed and sowing into people that at the very end, there's going to be millions that come to Christ as a result of the seeds that were sown by us. I, when, you, when you look at the big picture and you just step back for a minute and you see that, it gives life so much more meaning. I haven't read all through The Purpose Driven Life. I know there was a lot of churches that did. But if that's not in there, it needs to be. Because I think that, that by far is, that's purpose for us as Christians. There's some areas that I found this principle to be applied and I just want to highlight a few of them some of which are very obvious, and, and most of you already know these principles through Sunday school teachings and just reading your word. Um, but I, I think that some light can be shed on certain areas. Uh, one is finance. I think that's a given. I um, mean, it seems like almost any time this message is preached, it surrounds finance. Um, sowing money, and, and that is a good thing, and it's, you should sow it 
towards good things, but also the services that you can provide. I know Alan. I look at Alan here. He's, he's a painter. Anybody looking for a painter? Call Alan. No, he's, he, um, he just loves the Lord with all he has. And he has a business that he uses to glorify God. It's called spirit-filled painting, no less. And he goes and sows God's word while he's doing business and tr- conducting business and transactions. But he also sows, I know he's, he painted my house. And um, he and a couple other brothers in Christ came over and literally painted my house. Alan did the painting on, on these. He sows his services. And I wouldn't be surprised to see that the time that he spent, not only was it restored to him, but that he receives more of it. And not only that, but more business just as a result of his sowing. That principle takes effect whenever we are obedient. The same goes for patience. That was me. I chose this word because I struggled big time. Mom and dad, you can agree with, with me on this, but patience for me has always been a bit of a struggle. Um, I, don't, I wouldn't say I could clinically diagnose myself as having road rage, but there was a time when, when I would get really frustrated, so much so that it would, I would just lose my peace. I mean, I mean it, would just, it would mess me up when somebody was doing something that I didn't want them to do on the road. Um, right or wrong, I just, I just got upset. But as we sow patience, I can assure you that it will be granted back to you and more so. I need patience. I need people to be patient with me. And so as I sow patience, I know that I will reap patience from others. That's one other area. Another is friendship. How many of you have heard pastors say, if you want friends, be friendly? I mean, that just almost... Is a, is a duh statement, but the fact is um, we, need to, we need to agree with that. And authority, kindness, mercy, holiness, the list goes on and on and on. And you can apply it to every, anything in your life that you might want to see more of. Start to sow that in others. Start to sow that in others and watch how that seed flourishes. The principle only applies, though, when it's, when it's watered by God's word and his truth you need to make sure that you're in God's will when you're sowing. And I'll, I'll make a point on that a little later. It always gets me that whenever we look at biblical principles and good ideas um, for preaching messages and that, but the world has already caught on to a lot of biblical teachings that work. One of which is this here, sowing and reaping. The world would call it karma. Or you've all heard that um, I wrote here, what comes around goes around. I can't tell you how many times I've heard that. And yes, you're absolutely right. What comes around goes around. Iniquity, love, all those things. That principle is true. The fact is it's a law. We'll talk more about that. But there are various ways of looking at this that I didn't really think much of until I started to, to get in God's presence and was preparing for this message and he was revealing some things to me in some scriptures as I was looking up sowing and reaping I realized wow this you could teach a series on sowing and reaping it's amazing it just goes on and on and I'm going to try to get you guys out before two o'clock so I'm going to let me get through these yeah thank you um the first is you may sow what another reaps you may sow what another reaps 
Tracy Stewart was here for the passionate pursuit. You guys remember that, ladies? She talked about inheritance. And when she started to go on about this, I was kind of wondering, where is this lady going? If you've, if you've met Tracy, she's hard to follow. But I tell you, what a mighty, powerful woman of God. When she gets through, if you, if you just stick through to the end, man, it's amazing. Well, she gets to the story about how she is putting away... Um, well, actually, she started a life insurance policy on herself. She had a couple near-death experiences on an airplane. She travels all the time. She flies everywhere. And there was uh, four, to be exact, near-death, I mean, crash landings. <laughs> I don't know. You, God's hand is on her. But as she, she contemplated her life and her future, and now she has a daughter, and she's looking at, at all that she has to offer this daughter, what if, you know, something happened and I wasn't able to make it back home? So she instituted a life insurance policy and was going on about how, you know, though the sorrows may last for the night, cha-ching, the joy comes in the morning. Well, that, you know, the girl is going to, you know, I, she didn't say exactly how much, but I'd be willing to bet there's over a million dollars there for that young girl when she finally gets over the fact that her mom is gone. Well, she went on to emphasize the fact that the inheritance was there for her, just like God left Jesus for us. He gave us an inheritance, but it was only after the death and resurrection of his son that we would be able to enter into it. And not only that, but the death and resurrection of us as individuals, that selfless act that we go through to come into his image and likeness. As she proceeded to go forward and talking about how her daughter was going to, to receive this inheritance and it was going to change her, if you've seen the old Charlie Brown, the wah, 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 when the parent, it, all of a sudden she kind of tuned out and I started to think about that. And I was like, wow, it's really, what a connection. And I looked at how Jesus was the seed that was sown. And when he resurrected into newness of life, how that, I mean, it just, it just like the veil came off. Now that might not be a revelation to most of you, but to me it was like, Wow. How awesome is that? And as I was preparing this message, that came forth, and I just remembered how great that was. And I, I literally pictured Jesus coming up out of the ground as a flower, as, a, as hope for us. And as we die in his death and are raised in his resurrection, that we are that hope to others. We are the seed that was sown. And it just started to go and go and go. And this is that, that part where I said I'm going to bring it back. But we need to remember and ask ourselves regularly, what are we planting what are we planting? There's going to be many, many opportunities in your life to sow. And you just need to ask yourself, what am I planting? Now, our local church here, Legacy Cathedral, is a wonderful example of what someone else has sown, we reap. There was, well, let me put it this way. It was because of a few far-sighted souls a long time ago sowing that we were able to reap and are able to reap what we enjoy today as Legacy Cathedral. This is a far cry different place than what, what Legacy 1, Legacy 2 was, the cave. Some of you remember the cave. I wasn't there. I, I, don't, I don't, didn't have the privilege of going through that to end up in this, in this sanctuary. But a lot of sowing, prayers, and just intercessory night. I, I could just... I've heard the stories and I know how difficult it is and knowing where we are headed and what we're going through to end up in our promised land, the sowing that's taking place, 
there's going to be hundreds of people that come, thousands of people that come from John's Island and the surrounding areas to reap the fruit of the sowing that we as a congregation are doing currently. And what an awesome precept that is. And it didn't occur to me when I thought of sowing and reaping. I always thought in terms of I sow and I reap tenfold. Hallelujah. But I never thought of it in terms of I sow and another reaps. And that's a great side of the principle. Now, the principle does have a downside. And if you've been through Encounter, Legacy Cathedral offers an encounter process. And as many of us have gone through it, we get to sit with Pastor and Tracy and hear stories. Um, And one of the areas that we are taught in is generational curses. And we have a story that goes back to a family that would purchase vehicles that would never work. They would go to a, a, a new dealer, buy a brand new car, reputable car, Chevy, for those Ford, do, I'm sorry about the Ford guys out there, but, but no, they would, they would go and purchase vehicles that they knew were good cars and they would turn out to be lemons. They would just not work. Something would go wrong. And they went through car after car and it was, it was just weird that they were going through this. So in a counseling session with a pastor, they t- were talking about that and the, the idea of a generational curse came up and they said, well, what does that mean? Well, they looked back into their, their lineage and found that they had a great-grandfather who owned a used car dealership and this particular used car salesman took advantage of people in the worst way. He would take vehicles that were rendered unsalvageable and fix them just enough to get them off the lot. He would sell them knowing that they were lemons. They were not good cars. This car was going to break down and it was going to be, I'm not going to give them a, a refund. I've made my money. And he sowed that iniquity generations prior. And that iniquity just moved down from generation to generation. And here you have this family that's struggling, wondering, in the natural, why won't this car work? When in the spiritual, things were sown, and it caused them to be under a curse. And so that sowing that took place generations before was reaping and reaping and reaping and causing heartache for families. So we need to, again, ask ourselves, what am I planting? What am I planting today that this year, next year, the year after, someone may have to reap from? I think I said literally, what are you sowing today that someone else will reap in days or years to come? That is a principle that I actually had Jerry add that to to the PowerPoint today because I think that is something if we don't get anything else from this message, we need to ask ourselves, what am I planting that someone else may, may reap? I want to break here for a moment. And um, I have a message for parents. And I wanted to, to encourage you as I, was, as I was preparing. The Holy Spirit just spoke to me and said to put this out there. And um, it's a bit touchy and... Um, it really caused me to be who I am today. But I can remember years ago when I was growing up in Miami, Florida. I can't tell you how many times I came home and found my mom kneeled by the couch, weeping, with tears of joy, mostly, 
but sometimes just, just pleading with God just to make things happen. And I'm sure it wasn't just one prayer. There were, there were thousands upon thousands of prayers that she would bring to him. But she was modeling for me what it meant to seek the Lord with everything. She didn't realize it then, and I didn't realize it then, that she was sowing in me what it meant, what it looked like to cry out to God with everything. I would walk in my house with friends. And, you know, I was a popular kid, and, you know, I would bring home kids that, you know, image is pretty important when you're a young person. And we'd walk in, and, you know, and there's mom crying. And it got to the place where I just almost expected it. And I walk in, and my friends would be like, what is, is everything all right? What, should I leave? You guys need some alone time? What's going on? It's like, oh, no, she's just happy. <laughs> and they would, they would, okay. And those very friends would end up at my house when I wasn't there. I'd get home from school, and a lot of times I'd find my friends there, sitting down, having some cornbread and milk or sweet tea. See, down in Miami, sweet tea was foreign. You know, they had they had colada, you know, Cuban coffee and stuff. But sweet tea was like, oh, man, let's go to the Pruitt's house. They have sweet tea. But that wasn't the only draw. That The Holy Spirit dwelt in that house. And my mom modeled for me and my friends what it meant to seek the Lord with everything that, that you had. And I know that there was prayers because she, she told me firsthand that she prayed, Lord, can I, you know, can I just kill him? You know, I mean, do, you know, there was times in our lives when it was just, can I just start over? You know, God can relate to that. He, he said something similar. But the fact is, she, she would cry out to him for change to, you know, Lord, I'm pleading with you. Make it, you know, do something in them. What else do I have to do to see you in them? You know, and we'd, she'd come home. My brother and I would fight. To, and we'd draw blood fight. And um, she finally got to a place where she just rested in the Lord knowing. And he said to her that they'll, be, they'll go to the other side, but surely they'll be back and glorify my name. And that was a promise, was it not? My mom's sitting in the back. But that was a promise. He said to her, they will, they will go to the other side, but they'll be back and they will glorify my name. And after that, it was kind of like, okay. And it was weird because we would have fights, my brother and I, after that. And there was, there was Rama, I guess, she got that instead of breaking the fights up and causing more, she would just let us fight. And he'd get to a place where we'd stop and look at her like, Are, aren't you going to do anything? So she did by not doing anything. But I wanted to mention that because parents, as you sow into your kids, understand your children are your field. They're your fertile ground to sow into. It is amazing the impact that it has had on me and continues to have on me. Those things, those principles, those truths that came forth as I was growing up. And the harvest is not fully come, but mom, it's coming in for you. You have sown good seed, and I, I'm just so thankful because she, it's because of her prayers and because of her sowing that my brother and I are glorifying God today. But for years and decades, it seemed hopeless, I'm sure. I have a little girl now. I'm sure I'm going to reap some things too. But um, I just wanted to, to put that forth because I, don't, I want you to do not grow weary in well-doing. <laughs> yeah, Casey's over there like, but you know what I mean. You know, you want to make sure that you just continue, 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 and persevere, and, and so and so and so, knowing in faith that will reap a harvest. But so will everything else. Any negativity, any words that you throw at your children, then you're no good. You're never going to amount to those things. They're seeds as well, and they're going to you're going to have to weed those out later. So just 
Don't sow them to begin with. I wanted to put that out for you. Now, another principle is to, uh, you may sow wind, but reap a whirlwind. Hosea has a short scripture in there, and that's all it says, Hosea 8, 7. It says, you will sow wind and reap a whirlwind. But this principle is another that kind of caught me off guard. There's a story I remember from reading a book. I'm not sure which book it was, but it was about a kid. If you can picture him sitting at his plastic entertainment center, you know, he's a five-year-old kid, and he's got his little play school play set up, and he's got construction paper on there, and he's got his little green army men, and he's playing. Well, he somehow acquired a lighter from mom and dad, and he decided it was going to be fun to, to kind of light this lighter and watch the guns melt. You remember the army men, the snipers, and they'd have this long gun, and he would just watch the gun melt. And as it melted, it, it bubbled and fizzed, and he's like, oh, this is cool, and it just got to be more and more interesting. But all the while, he's kind of looking over his shoulder, knowing if mom and dad catch me, they're going to be upset. But this is harmless, so the wax drips, and it's ignited. He's not paying attention to it. He's fascinated by the fact that this green army man is now disfigured and starting to just melt. And he's just, he's like, oh, wow. And then he realizes, oh, no, the paper's burning, and it's the wax. And so he takes it, and he balls it up, and he throws it in the trash bin. And it's continuing to smolder and smoke, and it ignites. The trash bin is wicker, and it's on fire. And now the plastic table is kind of leaning, and he's freaking out, and everything's just going nuts. The fire alarm goes off. And the fi- I mean, it just one thing leads to another. But it all started with just a little, you know, I'm just going to melt the tip of this gun. Guys, I want to tell you right now, when you're at Citadel Mall, you're walking around, and you see a girl, you know, that, that harmless little, hey, that, that may be that light, that igniter. When you're flipping through the channels and you're watching that e-special on Britney Spears and you're just, oh, I'm just, I'm getting educated, you know. There's, there's those little seeds that get planted. And as time goes on, you know, you get into an argument with your spouse and next thing you know, those seeds start to pop up and they start to grow. And, and if you let that stuff in, guys, and ladies, you're not innocent. There are some areas there as well that you need to make sure if you're judging people, you know, little, the little look that girls, you know, high schoolers don't do that. You know, it's funny. When girls walk up to each other, it's like, bam, bam. They're, they just doo, scan like RoboCop. You know, they just got all the stats. They're emo or they're, you know, they're a prep. They're, that's a jock. And they just, they kind of line it all up and they're, they're judging. It's, it's innocent. Be careful. Be careful. Um, but there, there's a bright side to that as well. And I think if we continue to do well and live out a model of what it means to, to express Christ's love, people are going to see that. And I look at the college students that are here today. They represent Jesus Christ every day at the College of Charleston. If you've ever walked through the campus at the College of Charleston, that's a battlefield. I mean, fire in the hole. Am I not right? But those little things that they do, the seemingly little things that they do, the prayer meetings where maybe four or five might show up. Some days there's 30, and that's, that's great. Maybe sometimes there's hundreds, and in the future there'll be thousands. But the times when there's only one or two, well, God says where one or two are gathered, he's there. But it seems little. Other people see it, and it might not make that big of a difference in your mind. But remember that when you sow a, a, anything, even a natural, in the natural, you sow a seed, you can't wait f- and sit and watch to see if that seed's going to produce. You sow it and knowing in faith it's going to produce. 
and you keep moving forward. But always ask yourself, what am I planting in every seed that you are sowing? Now, this is a familiar one. Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8. You will reap what you sow. If there was ever a law, this is a law. I could stand on the edge of this stage and not believe that if I jump off, I'm going to hit that ground. But that don't matter, does it? If I jump off, I'm going to hit the ground. That's a law. There's nothing that I can say, think, or do that's going to change that that law exists. If I want to test it, be my guest. But the fact remains that that law is going to apply to that situation. When we sow things that we think that we're going to get away by, ah, there was, you know, it's just a little, I just stole a little bit. I only lied a little bit. It's not going to come back to bite me. Guys, don't test that law. If you want a reminder, just stand on the top of the Cooper River Bridge and look over the edge and ask myself, if I jump, will I fall? That should scare you. The same applies when you go and sow iniquity, when you sow those things that are not righteous, and you know what they are, guys. We need to know that what we're, we just need to ask ourselves, what am I planting? No seed can produce except after its own kind. If we sow evil, we reap evil. You, we, we cannot sow to the flesh and reap of the spirit. When we sow to the flesh, we're going to reap corruption because our, our flesh is just, it's just that, it's corrupted. But as we sow in the spirit, we need to be mindful of those things that we're sowing. When we sow digression, we cannot reap true discipleship. If you understand what's right and you don't do it, don't expect that your testimony is going to stand firm in the eyes of those other fellow believers. We've got to be firm in, in, in our convictions and true to the knowledge of Jesus Christ and know his word well enough to be able to discern those things that might come to us as a lie. You know, the enemy, Satan is a, well, he co-stars in this Bible. He knows all about it. His demons know scriptures better than we know, better than Pastor Baird knows the scriptures. They know the scriptures. And they will talk, they will put some stuff in your head, but you need to know God's heart and his love, not just the head knowledge of God's word. Knowledge of God's word is Definitely a need, and I encourage each and every one of you to get chock full of this stuff. But do not, please do not forsake God's heart, the compassionate, loving heart that he has, lest we end up being, well, like a lot of people, I don't want to start ramming people, but there's a lot of churchgoers that know the word really well, and they're just, ouch, 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 to be around. Tracy admits to being one of those, and she hurts so many people and so wishes she can go back and in compassion treat those people differently. And we need to make sure that we're not just full of head knowledge but understand um, what, it, what it looks like and what it feels like. Um, emotions can cause us to sow. Pastor, as he talked last week on making decisions and sticking to them and acting out on them. He was very clear, and I'll reiterate, that we do not want to act necessarily out of emotions. Emotions are of the flesh, and they change 
And though your intentions may be Check, check. All right. Though your intentions may be really good, the timing might be off. You know, God's word is full of good truths that we can sow in so many different areas. But just like in the natural, and he revealed this to me, this, well, first of all, I'll say this. Last night as I, I rehearsed a little bit and I was going through some of this teaching, this made sense to me. But as I verbalized it, it didn't, seem to, it didn't seem to come forth. And I was praying, Lord, just reveal to me what it means. How, how do I convey this that, that your heart might be received? And what he said to me this morning was, there is a season for things. And just like in the natural, you don't plant cabbage in the summer, right? I mean, I'm no green thumb, but I, I know enough to know that. The prices are like, mm-hmm, they know. They would know. You know, so there, there are certain times in our lives that we're to sow certain things. Opportunities are going to come forth, and you just need to know when and what to sow. First of all, be ready in season and out of season. Know God's word. Be prepared in your heart. But be sensitive, especially if you're in a counseling role or a teaching role. When somebody brings forth a concern or a problem to you and you find yourself, oh, I have the answer, and you just want to, land blast them or or turn on the fire hose we need to be sensitive because you can plant a rose and roses are good plants you know people are desirable but if you plant it in a cornfield it's not going to be it's a weed essentially and a prickly weed when you go to pull it this just came for when you go to pull that weed later it's going to hurt you. <laughs> and, and so we want to be careful about that. As we're asking ourselves, what am I sowing? We need to be mindful that there's going to come a day when we are going to be asked while we're alive, how's that working for you? Pastor has, I think he's coined the phrase, but if there's something going on in your life that just doesn't seem, you know, you seem to have the, the constant struggle with finance or maybe your marriage is just crummy and you know you heed you get counsel and you think you heed it and you go back and you're trying it and you get back in the office and you're griping and complaining and he says well how's that working for you in other words time to change we don't want to be victims of the how's that working for you we want to look forward to that question and the only way that we can look forward to that question is to so now that we reap later. You might be living in a world of weeds right now. There may be a, 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 maybe an area of your life that's just seemingly out of control. Just like in the natural, if you plant seed now, don't expect that tomorrow you're going to be enjoying a, you know, a fruit buffet. That's just not how it works. God requires patience. God is patience. He will fill you with that patience that you will need. But I'll when I was coming up with this sermon, I was asking myself, who is my target audience? And one of the things that you do when you're preparing a sermon is you have to find out who you're speaking to. And I sat back and I, you know, I'm talking to the church. You know, I'm, it's kind of hard because most of you in here already know all of this stuff. 
Some of it comes and, and reignites in your spirit. But the fact is I had to ask myself and come to terms with who am I speaking to? And I'm speaking to those that lose heart, that get offended and never come back. To those that they go through the encounter process, school leaders, and they're, they're, setting, they're signing up for Consecrate Weekend, and their life just does, hasn't changed yet. You know, they're not floating on clouds, and they're discouraged because they're not seeing fruit. I'm speaking to those because I guarantee you God will see to it that your harvest comes in. The, the Bible is full of individuals who for years and years, decades and decades and decades lived in a seeming hell. And they were placed there by God in their mind. And in obedience, they remained there. And they persevered and they gave God glory. And gave God glory and gave God glory and kept on. And, kept, and finally, arose out of that kings. I, it, it just it baffles me how God can use times like that to, to strengthen us, to build our character, to allow us to come to a place that we can then sow into others. We can be that pillar in the church that won't go blow down when the winds come. And it takes that individual those times and some of us require more polishing than others but i want to encourage those of you who, are, who might fall into that category but that we cannot allow our promise to be stolen from us we just need to continue to sow in faith sow that which we want to reap if you want someone to be loyal to you be loyal sow loyalty if you want someone to be honest with you sow honesty and so on now, the seed that we sow is not always what we reap. This was a fairly vague principle while I was getting my mind wrapped around it. And it, it revealed itself to me that, you know, that corn kernel that you hold in your hand, when you sow that corn kernel, you're going to reap a plant, not a bunch of kernels. When you sow that flirtatious behavior, guys and you're married and you flirt with other women you're sowing a little flirtation doesn't mean you're going to reap a whirlwind of flirtation you may reap an affair fornication i mean all kinds you adultery whatever comes out of that you may end up with you may reap a um well, there's a there's a movie about have you ever seen cable guy jim carrey He's a, he, he, gets, he gets a little small dose of what it means to have a friend, and he goes overboard. And he's at the guy's house every day and just wanting this friendship. You know, the guy sewed a little bit of friend. Hey, yeah, good. Thanks, buddy. He's like, oh, he called me buddy. And next thing you know, he's like, hey, guy, you want to go to the, you know, you want to go to the ball game and you want to do this? You wanna, and the guy's like, oh, my goodness gracious. No, calm down. He didn't sew all that. He just simply sewed a, a nice remark. And he, got, he, he reaped something totally different. So understand that when you're sowing in faith, if you sow honesty, you are going to reap trust. And it could come on so many different levels. You could be entrusted to a church. You could be entrusted with a, a firm, a company. You could be entrusted with, you know, there's a story of the talents. But all of those were, were issued to them out of the trust that was developed by what they have sown.
So understand that what we sow may not always be exactly that which we reap. The last point that I want to make is if you, if you reap sparingly, you're going to sow sparingly. The opposite is true as well. If you sow bountifully, you're going to reap bountifully. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 15, originally I was just going to read to you chapter 6, but I want to read to you this whole portion. This is normally what this sermon is, is geared towards, and the idea of sowing finance has always been highlighted when, when talking about this topic, but I want, I want to add some things to that. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, what does all mean? All. All. May have an abundance for every good work. As it is written, he has dispensed abroad, he has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now may he who supplies the seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed that you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. While you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God, For the administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also is abounding through many thanksgivings to God. While through the proof of this ministry, they glorify God for the obedience of your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your liberal sharing with them in all men. And by their prayer for you uh, who long for you because of the exceeding grace of God in you. Thanks be to God for for his indescribable gift. The cheerful giver, while it could apply absolutely to financing and sowing finance and and meeting the needs of those around you financially, goes so much deeper than that, guys. It's so much deeper than that. And we need to get that revelation in our spirit that the more good that we sow, the more good that we're going to reap. And we need to be generous in every good thing not just those things that might seem convenient at the time, um, not just in our finances. There's, uh, I mean, the list could go on and on and on about how we can be over and above generous with our lives to those around us. I want to encourage us as we sit here today and, and contemplate what's been taught that we want to keep our eyes turn to God and all of his good works. When I did an analogy with the youth about Noah's Ark, and there was a window in the ark. There was one window in the ark. It was more like a sunroof. And it was that Noah would keep his eyes up towards the heavens, towards God, during that time while he's in the type of Savior, the ark, but to keep his sights on God. While he was already in Christ, what was analogy analogized, if that's a word, as Christ, the ark. He was already in Christ. We're already in Christ, but he, kept his, he had to keep his eyes on the heavens, on God, in all things. They could have put the windows on the sides, but then he'd be looking out to the world. 
He wanted to look up all the time. And I just think that that's, a, that's an amazing analogy, if we can get it under our, under our belts, to always in all things, at every crossroad that we come to in our life where we can make a decision to sow. And believe me, every crossroads is, a, is an opportunity to sow. That you stop for just a minute and you ask God, what do you want in this instance? It's going to blow your mind, the things that he tells you. Pastor provided me with a story. And we're going we're gonna to close with this. But he received an email this last week, and it's called The Seed. Blew me away because nobody knew that I was going to be teaching on this. And he received an email from someone that doesn't even go to our church called The Seed. And when you hear what it says, it, it should take you aback like it did me. A successful businessman was growing, and growing old and knew it was time to choose a successor to take over the business. Instead of choosing one of his directors or his children, he decided to do something different. He called all the young executives in his company together. He said, it's time for me to step down and choose the next CEO. I've decided to choose one of you. The young executives were shocked, but the boss continued, I'm going to give each of you a seed today, one very special seed. I want you to plant the seed, water it, come back here one year from today with what you have grown from the seed that I have given you. I will then judge the plants that you bring, and the one I choose will be the next CEO. One man named Jim was there that day, and he, like the others, received a seed and went home, excitedly told his wife that the story that he had just heard. She helped him get the pot, put together the soil, the compost, got it all ready. They planted it, and every day he would water it and watch to see if the seed had grown. After about three weeks, some of the other executives began to talk about their seeds and the plants that were beginning to grow. Jim kept checking his seed, but nothing ever grew. Three weeks, four weeks, five weeks went by, still nothing. Now others were talking about their plants. Jim didn't have a plant. He felt like a failure. Six months went by, still nothing in Jim's pot. He just knew that he had killed his seed. Everyone else had trees and tall plants, but he had nothing. Jim didn't say anything to his colleagues. However, he just kept watering and fertilizing the soil. He wanted the seed to grow. A year finally went by, and all the young executives of the company brought their plants to the CEO for inspection. And Jim told his wife that he wasn't going to take an empty pot. But she asked him to be honest and just tell him what happened. Jim felt that he should stick to his plan, even though he felt sick to his stomach. It was going to be the most embarrassing moment in his life. But he knew his wife was right. He took his empty pot into the boardroom. When Jim arrived, he was amazed at the variety of plants that had grown by the other executives. They were beautiful in all shapes and sizes. Jim put his empty pot on the floor, and many of his colleagues just cracked up at him. A few felt sorry for him. When the CEO arrived, he surveyed the room, greeted his young executives. Jim just tried to hide in the back. My, what great plants and trees and flowers you've grown, said the CEO. Today, one of you will be appointed the next CEO. All of a sudden, the CEO spotted Jim at the back of the room with his empty pot. He ordered the financial director to bring him to the front. Jim was terrified. He thought, oh, no, the CEO knows that I'm a failure. Maybe he'll have me fired. When Jim got to the front, the CEO asked him what happened. 
Jim told him the story. The CEO asked everyone to sit down except Jim. He looked at Jim and then announced to the young executives, Behold, your next CEO. His name is Jim. Jim couldn't believe it. Jim couldn't even grow the seed. How could he be the next CEO? Then the CEO said, One year ago today, I gave everyone in this room a seed. I told you to take the seed, plant it, water it, and bring it back to me today. But I gave you all boiled seeds. They were dead. It was not possible for them to grow. All of you, except Jim, have brought me trees and plants and flowers. When you found that the seed would not grow, you substituted another seed for the one I gave you. And Jim was the only one with the courage and honesty to bring me a pot with my seed in it. Therefore, he will be the next chief executive officer. If you plant honesty, you will reap trust. If you plant goodness, you will reap friends. If you plant humility, you will reap greatness. If you plant perseverance, you will reap contentment. If you plant consideration, you will reap perspective. If you plant hard work, you will reap success. If you plant forgiveness, you will reap reconciliation. So be careful, guys, what you plant. Because it will spring forth. And it will show itself later. That's the message I prepared for you today. And as we come to a close, I just want to encourage you guys to take this message and, and even take that kernel, as silly as it might seem, take that kernel and hold it dear. I know during encounter we receive these nails that symbolize what Christ had to endure for us. But that kernel, that seemingly insignificant, shriveled up, hard as plastic little thing you have in your hand could be the difference between life and death in any given situation. So I want to just to, to remind you and to exhort you guys. You've been such an encouragement to me as I've grown up in this family. It has honored, it has honored me, or I have been honored, if I should say it that way, to have been influenced by some of the decisions, good and bad, I might add, that were made here in this, in this church family. But to see the Spirit of God infused into every situation, into every family that's represented here today, that has molded me and shaped me. My mom planted a seed, and you have been fertilizer. The Holy Spirit has been the water. But the fact is, it was, it was because of this group of people that I love and, and hold so dear that I'm able to even grow and, and to have a successful marriage and to have a wonderful daughter and to, to look forward to the next few decades because of the sowing that I was encouraged to sow, the, the seed that I was encouraged to sow and, and I had to work through the hard times just like you guys. There was a lot of seed that I had sown in the past that had to come to fruition, and, but it died. It was weeded out. It's been, it's been taken care of. And now I, can, now I can look at a fairly manicured garden, not quite a shadow moss green, but I can look at that in my life and I can see the areas in my life that need to be worked on, that need to be extracted. And I just encourage each one of you that if you're in a, if you're in a mess right now, if you're, if you're living through um, certain areas of your life that just seem like there's, there's no hope, 
I assure you, if you start planting the good seed now and stick to it, water that thing and persevere, just wait. Wait and watch. Have faith. God will lift you above all of your current circumstances. He will uproot them. He will reveal to you those things that need to be taken up by the root. And only he can do it. So I just honor you guys. I love you so much. And I thank you for for letting me speak to you today. I want to have, Alex, I'm going to put you on the spot, if I may. Um, And some musicians as well. I know this, uh, even if you want to just do acoustic, if we can do, I want to have some, just some ambience back here. If you guys want to come up now. And Alex, um, if you would just close us out in prayer, um, I'd appreciate that. Thank you. You guys can go ahead and stand. We'll just pray it on worship a little bit as we go. God, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this day, Lord. God, you're a great God, and Lord. Lord, with lifted hands, we just worship you, God, and Lord. Lord, today, and we thank you for the word. We thank you for Noah. We thank you for his heart. And we thank you, God, just for the love he brings, God, to this to this church body, God, and the leadership he brings, God, and, and just the servant's heart he brings. God, we ask that you bless him for that, and we just honor him and lift him up, God, Lord, at this time. And we lift up Kelly with him, Father, God, as they are one in you, Father. So we thank you for that, God. And we just ask, God, continue to remind us, Father, Lord, and Lord, of this seemingly foundational concept of, of just sowing and reaping, Father. And Lord, oftentimes we just choose to forget or we choose to put it aside because, oh, they're just talking about money again. But God, Lord, you're talking about our lives. You're talking about every moment, every word that we speak, and every every look that we make, Father, God, and every hug that we give to somebody. And God, uh, I just pray, God, Lord, as Noah's talking about, Lord, sowing and reaping, God, Lord, let there be a revelation of love in our hearts, Father. Uh, let it, let us be a people, a church of love, Father, God. God, that just, that just pours out our hearts to people and that, Lord, that lives in truth, God. You said in your word, um, if we're not grounded in love, then we're nothing, God. We're clanging symbols. God, we're just we're resounding gongs, God. And, Lord, everything, God, it will mean nothing if we're not grounded in your love, Father. So let us get a revelation of that, God, in everything we sow and everything, God, that we do. We do in love and we do out of glorifying you, God. And, God, as we go today, God, as Lord, we just worship you and we thank you for everything, God. And we ask that, Lord. Let this be in our hearts. We just pray for our pastor, God, right now, God, as as he's coming home and um, maybe just a couple hours, God, from Gainesville, that you would just um, let him have a safe travel and let him just be able to enjoy being able to visit his um, um, his, his son and his daughter-in-law, Father. We just pray safety and blessing over him and his family, God, and let us go this week, Father, and let us be a people of love. Let us be a people of love, God. For this city, and that's what's going to change the city, God. It's your Holy Spirit and working through us, God, in love. So, God, we we praise you, we honor you, God, and we just lift up a shout, God, this day, saying that we are going out and we are changing the city for you because we love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, Hallelujah, Hallelujah. Well, as we dismiss, I just thank you all again. Hug a neck, shake a hand on your way out. And be a light to someone today. At SNS Cafeteria, let them know that the, the love of God dwells in you. All right? Amen. God bless you.